Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom and the American way. Tom Harbin here with you. The articles of impeachment were rolled out, let's say. I don't think that they've been formally introduced into Congress yet. The number one is for abuse of his power in office. Donald Trump abusing the power of his office, which includes the Ukraine stuff and Jerry Nadler said, our president holds the ultimate public trust. When he betrays that trust and puts himself before country, he endangers the Constitution, he endangers our democracy, and he endangers our national security. But, I mean, let's just consider who this guy is and what he's been up to, right? First of all, the first investigation into Donald Trump, his campaign, and its association or its possible association specifically with Russia. I think, frankly, it should have been a lot broader than that. But nonetheless, that lasted 15 months and produced 34 indictments and charges of individuals, three indictments of companies, five guilty pleas, four convictions, over 191 criminal charges, Two counts of conspiracy against the United States, two counts of conspiracy to launder money, eight counts of bank fraud, 10 counts of bank fraud conspiracy, 10 counts of subscribing to false tax returns. And we still don't know what's in Trump's tax returns. Six counts of making false statements, 13 counts of conspiracy to defraud the United States, 24 counts of aggravated identity theft. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. The Republicans know this is the amazing thing. I mean, it's like, Somebody this morning was making the comment about, you know, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it must be a piano. Right. Republicans are not unaware of the fact that Donald Trump is guilty of obstructing justice, of obstructing Congress, and of trying to bribe a foreign leader. And in fact, I would say extort a former leader. I mean, this is common knowledge. They're not disputing the facts. They know that the people who showed up as witnesses against Donald Trump, uh, Alexander Vindman, you know, he showed up to testify, talked about how his dad, 
who had uh, lived under the Soviet Union, how his dad was so worried that his son was going to speak out against the president. And he said, don't worry, dad, I'll be fine. And then what did the army do the next day? I mean, literally the next morning, they had to move him from his off-base home onto a military base because of all the death threats he was getting. I mean, these people from Christine Blasey Ford right forward, anybody who has spoken up against Trump or any of the people who are loyal to Trump has literally put their lives at risk. And the Republicans know this. And they sanction this. They're not speaking out against this. I'm not hearing, you know, Ted Cruz or, or you know, any of these guys come out and say, you shouldn't go after these witnesses. No, they got no problem with that. The Republicans all know that if there was one piece of evidence out there that would show that Donald Trump was not guilty of the crimes that he's being impeached for, one piece of evidence that he would present it to Congress, or at the very least, he would present it on Fox so-called news. Instead, his only defense is, mm, there's nothing there. I mean, this is a guy who has lied over 10 thousand times who is getting rich at the expense of you and me our tax dollars are going to support his properties all around the world he's put his own interest over the interest of the country rana forohar is one of the editors over at financial times and a week or so ago in fact it was december 1st there's a newsletter that the financial times publishes called swamp notes you know, I get it in email. I think it comes every day. Maybe it's a couple days a week. And she just reprinted the Declaration of Independence. And I'm reading this going, whoa. I mean, this is from the Declaration of Independence. This is the indictment against King George, I believe it was the second, ultimately, they declared independence from, and then the third that they ended up fighting the war against. I may have that wrong. But in any case, King George of England, he has refused his assent to laws the most wholesome and necessary for the public good, right? In other words, he won't sign off on laws that are good for people, like maybe prohibiting AK-47s or AR-15s. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance unless suspended in their operation till his assent shall be obtained. And when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend to them like maybe not letting California define its own emission standards? I mean, how many examples can you think of there? He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states for that purpose, obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither and raising the conditions of new appropriations for lands. Gee, if you think about the wall, think about the 16-year-old kid who died in ICE custody, laying on the floor, a cold floor of a cell with a 103-degree fever, writhing in pain for 25 minutes on camera, and then dies. The law says ICE can only hold him for three days. He had been there six days. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. Now, for that, I would point to what looks like a corrupt deal with Anthony Kennedy and his son to, to get Brett Kavanaugh in. 
But before that, I mean, this wasn't Trump, this was Mitch McConnell, but Merrick Garland, anybody? He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount and payment of their salaries. Right. Donald Trump was bragging last week. One in five federal judges now is a Trump appointee. He has appointed more judges than any president in the history of the United States, and he's only been in office three, three years. Franklin Roosevelt was in office for, what, 11 years? No, it was longer than that, from 1933 to 1945, whatever that is, 12 years, 13 years. Trump has put more judges into place. He has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our Constitution and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation. Yeah, like enlisting Ukraine to find dirt or to create dirt on your political opponent. He has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our Constitution. For cutting off our trade with all parts of the world. Well, I'd just say screwing up our trade. He has abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. I think you could say safely that all the blue states feel that way. He eliminated your ability to deduct your property taxes if they're over $10,000 a year in blue states. Among other things, I mean, you know, look at what he's doing with emissions controls. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. Does that remind you of climate change? Literally, America is on fire. Our coasts are at risk. This is the Declaration of Independence. Meanwhile, another thing that Donald Trump is doing is turning the United States into an authoritarian state. In an authoritarian state, if you speak out against the authoritarian, you put your life at risk. I already ranted about that. In a healthy democracy, you have a, a high level of tolerance for differences of opinion. In autocracies, in, in, in authoritarian states, no, you can't have that. And this is what's going on. I mean, the norms, the standards of political dialogue in the United States that we historically had have been blown up since the advent of Fox News. And Rupert Murdoch helping bring to power these authoritarian right-wingers, just like in England, just like in Australia. I mean, the entire idea that the rule of law is like the thing that we honor, that's become a partisan debate. The Republicans are saying, oh, you know, Trump broke the law. Yeah, that's okay. He's the president. You can't even investigate a president when he's in office. I mean, you know, Ambassador Yovanovitch said, you know, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to break the law here for you, Donald Trump. He fired her. And then he told the, Zelensky she's going to go through some things. Another hallmark of authoritarianism. Great article by this, about this, by the way, by Ruth Ben Gate over at uh, CNN. Another hallmark of authoritarianism is that it promotes authoritarian governments produce, quote, alternative facts. They promote things that are not true as if they were true. It's a divide and rule strategy and it's tearing America apart.
This is authoritarianism, also known as abuse of power, also known as what the first article of impeachment is titled. His abuse of power is not just, oh, gee, I think I'll, you know, uh, withhold some military aid. It is so much larger than that. This is absolutely huge. And one of the other things that Donald Trump is doing is he is getting other Republicans to essentially sanction his crimes or commit crimes with him. I mean, he's got, you know, Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana and now Senator Ted Cruz of Texas going on national television parroting propaganda points from a foreign government's intelligence service. Now, these may not technically be legal crimes, but they're certainly the kind of things that basically it's like the mob, right? This is how you prove you're a made man. You want to be a made man in the, in the mob or in many gangs? You have to commit a crime. Sometimes it's a high crime, you know, like murder or robbery, armed robbery. Sometimes it's a much lower crime, like, you know, being the guy who drives the car, the getaway car. But you've got to commit a crime to prove that you're worthy of the mob boss trusting you. Well, that's what Donald Trump has been doing. He's got Gymnasium Jordan out there and Matt Drunk Frat Boy Gets out there going nuts on things. And it's just like these guys, once you're in, you can't get out. This is a system that actually creates crooks, this authoritarian system. This is a very, very dark world, this thing that Donald Trump is up to. Walter Schaub, who was the uh, director of the U.S. Government of Office of Ethics. Now, this is part of the executive branch. It's, a t it's an Article II branch. It's under the president. And Walter Schaub, in the last administration, was the director of this Office of Government Ethics. And he came up with a list of things that the Republican Party and Donald Trump are guilty of. And just think of this, soliciting foreign attacks on our elections. First Russia, then Ukraine, and then China. And according to Seth Abramson, Saudi Arabia, Israel, and the UAE as well. Using federal appropriations or other resources to pressure foreign governments to help win an election. Soliciting foreign attacks on our elections, using federally appropriated money to do so, to win re-election, across the board refusal to comply with congressional oversight, firing the heads of the government's top law enforcement agencies because they allowed an investigation of the president, retaliating against whistleblowers, investigating investigators who investigated the president, attempting to award the company, the president's own company, federal contracts, using personal devices, servers, or applications for office communications, communicating secretly with foreign leaders and foreign governments, uh, things that even our own government didn't know about or didn't want known, abandoning allies, destroying or concealing records, expressing empathy for white nationalists, covering up for the murder of a journalist, violating human rights and international law at our border, operating a supposed charity, lying incessantly to the American people, relentlessly attacking the free press, spending one quarter of, every, of all his days in office visiting his own golf course, one third of all his days in office visiting his private businesses, 
violating the emoluments clause, giving security clearance to his children and abusing the process, drawing down on government's efforts to combat domestic terrorism, refusing to investigate and build defenses against interference in our elections, a documented campaign of obstruction of the special counsel, lying about a hush money payoff, refusing to fire or repeat Hatch Act offender, calling members of Congress names and accusing them of treason for simply conducting oversight, attacking states and private citizens frequently and in terms that demean the president. By the way, that's one of the things Andrew Johnson was impeached for, using the presidency to tout his own private business, causing the federal government to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars at his businesses, over $100 million on boondoggle trips to his visit his properties, hosting foreign leaders at his private businesses, calling on the Justice Department to investigate political rivals in nepotism and supporting authoritarian leaders around the world. So that was, that was Walter Schaub's list. Here's the actual list. This is from the impeachment articles that were dropped this morning. And I quote, this is from Article 1, Abuse of Power. Using the powers of his high office, President Donald Trump solicited the interference of a foreign government, Ukraine, in the 2020 United States presidential election. He did so through a scheme or course of conduct that included soliciting the government of Ukraine to publicly announce investigations that would benefit his re-election, harm the election prospects of a political opponent, and influence the 2020 United States presidential election to his advantage. President Trump also sought to pressure the government of Ukraine to take these steps by conditioning official United States government acts of significant value to Ukraine on its public announcement of the investigations. President Trump engaged in this scheme or course of conduct for corrupt purposes in pursuit of personal political benefit. In doing so, President Trump used the powers of the presidency in a manner that compromised the national security of the United States and undermined the integrity of the United States democratic processes. He thus ignored and injured the interests of the nation. And then, you know, they go through and break it out exactly what each one of those things were. And then uh, they summarize, in all of this, President Trump abused the powers of the presidency by ignoring and injuring national security and other vital national interests to obtain an improper personal political benefit. He also betrayed the nation by abusing his high office to enlist a foreign power in corrupting democratic elections. And then Article 2, Obstruction of Congress. It reads, Donald J. Trump has directed the unprecedented, categorical, and indiscriminate defiance of subpoenas issued by the House of Representatives pursuant to its, quote, sole power of impeachment. President Trump has abused the powers of the presidency in a manner offensive to and subversive of the Constitution. And then they enumerate exactly how he did that. And then they say, in response, without lawful cause or excuse, President Trump directed executive branch agencies, offices, and officials not to comply with these subpoenas. President Trump thus interposed the powers of the presidency against the lawful subpoenas of the House of Representatives and assumed to himself functions and judgments necessary to the exercise of the sole power of impeachment. That's a phrase from the Constitution. It says the House of Representatives shall have the sole power of impeachment vested by the Constitution in the House of Representatives. And then they break out exactly what he did in order to, to accomplish that and the names of the people that he said not to do it. And then it's only eight pages long. I mean, this is pretty incredible. The last couple paragraphs. Through these actions, President Trump to, sought to arrogate to himself in other words, to take, to seize for himself, the right to determine the propriety, scope, and nature of an impeachment inquiry into his own conduct, as well as the unilateral prerogative 
to deny any and all information to the House of Representatives in the exercise of its sole power of impeachment. In the history of the Republic, no president has ever ordered the complete defiance of an impeachment inquiry or sought to obstruct and impede so comprehensively the ability of the House of Representatives to investigate high crimes and misdemeanors. This abusive office served to cover up the president's own repeated misconduct and to seize and control the power of impeachment and thus to nullify a vital constitutional safeguard vested solely in the House of Representatives. In all of this, President Trump has acted in a manner contrary to his trust as president and subversive of constitutional government, to the great prejudice of the cause of law and justice, and to the manifest injury of the people of the United States. Wherefore, President Trump, by such conduct, has demonstrated that he will remain a threat to the Constitution if allowed to remain in office, and has acted in a manner grossly incompatible with self-governance and the rule of law. President Trump thus warrants impeachment and trial, removal from office, and disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States. So there you have it. And I think you know my opinion of all this. <laughs> let's, let's see what yours are. Matthew in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Hey, Matthew, what's up? Hi, Tom. It's Gulf Shores, Alabama. Oh, Gulf, uh, Gulf Shores. I'm sorry. Thank you for everything you do, by the way. You're a service to this country. I've been you. listening to you for a long time, and uh, first time calling. The reason I'm calling is I was sent, my mother sent me a copy of a tweet by Anil Katal. He's a professor at Georgetown University. Yeah, he's on TV a lot. And I'd like to paraphrase it real quick for me. Mm -hmm. I had not heard the point that he made, but he basically says the Senate messes with the trial in any way, or they fail to impeach the president. Heaven forbid he's reelected then there is no double jeopardy for impeachment and that he can be impeached again after 2020 That's for correct. any number of things that, like you listed earlier on your show. Yeah, that's and, correct. Uh, which and is a great and I, would, I would expect that, by the yeah. way. Okay. He's implying that the senators know this and they may do their job, actually, and impeach him the first time? Um, or is it something else? It's a good question. You know, um, yeah. on TV this morning, Claire McCaskill, the retired senator, who actually she lost the election, I believe, made the point that Mitch McConnell doesn't give a rat's patootie about Donald Trump. Other than, I mean, you know, mm -hmm. he, he would like to have a Republican president to feed him conservative judges. But if he gets a Democratic president, he'll just obstruct for another four years. The only thing that Mitch McConnell really cares about is that he is the Senate majority leader. And in order to be the majority leader, he has to have a majority, which means he has to have more than 50 senators. And right now he's got vulnerable Republican senators in Iowa, North Carolina, Colorado, Arizona, and Maine. Susan Collins in Maine, Kirsten Sinema in Arizona, Corey uh, Gardner in Colorado. Tom Tillis in North Carolina and Joni Ernst in Iowa, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly who those senators are from those states. And all of them could easily lose. And if the evidence that's presented in the trial, and the trial will be heavily watched, and good reason why Nancy Pelosi has produced a very narrow bill of impeachment here, if the evidence presented at that trial causes a majority of the people in those five states, Iowa, North Carolina, Colorado, Arizona, and Maine, to conclude that their senators should vote to impeach, Mitch McConnell will allow that to happen, in Claire McCaskill's opinion, and because that will help them get reelected in those states. And if that happens, 
It doesn't mean that Trump gets removed from office. That's not 20 senators. That's only five. But what that will mean is, and I would add to that list, Utah, Mitt Romney, which would be six. Then you would have a bipartisan impeachment, you know, a removal vote in the Senate. And frankly, I think Justin Amash should have stayed in the Republican Party so that Nancy Pelosi could say that she's going to have a bipartisan impeachment vote in the House. So, you know, the, the politics of it and the optics of it are all kind of up in the air. And, and that's a lot of what's being negotiated right now. Donald Trump is also apparently very seriously upset, angry that Mitch McConnell said he's not going to take up the impeachment issue until after January. Trump wants it put to bed before Christmas. He wants a quick trial and a quick vote before Christmas. And Mitch McConnell saying, no, it's not going to happen. So get ready for more crazy stuff. Thanks for the call. Good stuff. Matt in Austin, Texas. Hey, Matt, what's on your mind today? I have been unable to understand for these three and a half years how 45 million people have been able to just blindly believe everything this man says and not have any resemblance to fact. Where are you getting the 45 million people number from? He only got 33 million votes. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought, well, maybe 40 million I've heard supporting. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. But but let's say that let's say that 40 million people. Support okay. Yeah, him I today. won't dispute that. How can how can they support him? What kind of families were they raised in? How were they raised that they can support a liar constantly? Matt, try, try something for me. Do you have the yeah. ability to watch Fox News? Oh, I watch it all the time. I okay. mean, not all well, that, the time. That's the I answer to your question right there. I mean, I was, I was just going to say, you know, please watch Fox News all day, every day for three days and then call me back. Okay, well, wait one second, because I do watch it. And I have been communicating with a guy who is a millionaire who has two AK-47s, who is a Trump supporter, and he cannot accept anything that goes against the Trump line. And he's not a stupid man. He built his own business and sold it. So I tried to think, why would he do such a thing? And I remember the one thing he told me is that he grew up sharecropping with his uncle, and he learned that a poor man can never give you a job, only a rich man because he was a sharecropper, I'm wondering how many of these people that support Trump were raised in families where they were, where they got fear put into them when they were very, very young, like three or four years old. Yeah, and we, we know that we know the people who experience a lot of fear are almost always on the conservative end of the spectrum. Number one, That's and number right. two, but I would I fair. would tell you, Matt. There are a hell of a lot of white racists out there who are totally down with Donald Trump's immigration policies and his trashing, you know, people of color and inner cities and stuff like that. And they're just not going to tell you that to your face. It's not acceptable anymore. Well, it's not the friendly ghost, but it is the friendly sleep. We've all heard of Casper, right? You know, the sleep company with outrageously comfortable products at not so outrageous prices from award-winning mattresses to pillows, sheets, and duvets. Casper transforms the way we sleep one snooze at a time. Haven't tried them yet? Well, then it's time to treat yourself to better sleep during Casper's holiday sale. The Casper mattress is an award-winning balance of comfort and support. Louise and I love our Casper mattress. Four layers of premium foam are designed to provide pressure relief for all-night comfort. And the zone support system keeps your back aligned and cradles you with extra support. Casper is the perfect place to get all your holiday shopping done because, hey, let's be honest, everybody sleeps. 
And as always, Casper has free shipping and free returns. Plus, every Casper mattress comes with a 100-night risk-free trial. Stress of holiday shopping doesn't need to keep you up at night. Casper has gifts for every dreamer. Go to casper.com slash Tom, T-H-O-M now, and use code GIFTS for $25 off gift orders over $100. Shop for friends, family, and while you're there, treat yourself with a little something. That's casper.com slash Tom, T-H-O-M, code GIFTS for $25 off gift orders over $100. Offer expires December 24th. Terms and conditions apply. See casper.com slash terms. Jake in Seattle. Hey, Jake, what's up? Well, I got to say, I'm a little disappointed about how things are, are moving forward with the impeachment hearing. What is the you know, source of your disappointment? Well, I, I, want, I want this bum out. And uh, it seems to me that if we wanted them out, we would do everything we could. We would exhaust all possible uh, means to, to get, the, you know, these people to come and testify in front Did of Did you Congress. see the press conference this morning, Jake? I didn't, no. Okay. Well, one of the points that uh, I believe it was Jerry Nadler made, it might have been Adam Schiff, um, was that it took them eight months through the courts to get a court ruling that Don McGahn would have to testify. That ruling has now been appealed to the Supreme Court. It'll be another eight months before the Supreme Court rules on it. If the Supreme Court says, yes, Don McGahn has to testify, he no longer even works for the government, as soon as Don McGahn shows up to testify, he'll start refusing to say things citing executive privilege. And then they're going to have to go back to the courts. This is a process that could take three or four years. When, when um, the Attorney General under Barack Obama, refused to show up for Congress in the Fast and Furious. Uh, you know, it was like the third or fourth time he, he, he said, I'm, I'm just not going to come back and testify anymore. I've said everything I have to say. The Republicans sued him. It took seven years. That lawsuit was resolved last year. So mm -hmm. either you go ahead now or and, and there's no impeachment. So, Jake, if you want to see this bum out, taking these two very narrowly focused articles in areas where there can be basically no disagreement. I mean, I've been arguing that there should be 10 or 15 articles of impeachment, and let's go through the whole right. list and let's tell history. These are the things a president can't do. I still feel that way, but I totally understand that if but, this, but that this guy is actively in the process it? right now with Rudy Giuliani over in Ukraine with this right-wing TV network that's funded by some billionaires, I believe, what you've got right now is Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump actively involving a foreign government and foreign corrupt prosecutors in Ukraine with corrupting the 2020 election. You don't think that we need to stop well, that, that right now? Do you think that will stop when the Senate acquits him? Yes, I think that a trial in the Senate is going to wake up a hell of a lot of people. This is just the beginning. Whether, you know, the hearings that you've seen in the House, they're starting to get repetitive and you know people are not quite paying attention like they were yesterday. We didn't even carry most of it. But I think the simple fact is that when you get to a trial and you've got witnesses of fact, and probably the trial is the point, since John Roberts, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, will be the judge at the trial, there's a very good chance that if any of these witnesses are claiming, I don't have to show up, I'm not going to show, you know, Don McGahn and all this kind of stuff, that would be the point at which it goes directly to the Supreme Court for a very rapid uh, response, or John Roberts could even rule on it. So I think that we need to get this thing to a trial as fast as possible. And if this is the well, way I to should, do it, I'm I supportive sure of that. Right, Tom. Thanks Thank a lot, John. Good talking to you.
Alan in Bellevue, Washington. Hey, Alan, you had some thoughts on some of the things that Republican counsel Steve Castor said? When he was decrying the uh, attempts by our Democratic folks in Congress to impeach the president, particularly when they were going under Republican control in the House, you know, he just laid out this whole list of abuses of power by the president. So that's what that was my takeaway from Mr. Castor. It's like, yeah, we've been trying to impeach this guy because he has abused his power in a continuous fashion. He laid out mm-hmm. the Mueller report, 2016 election, the emoluments clause, and now, of course, this. And he kept saying, none of this sticks. Well, yeah, yeah, I but it also points out that you're, yeah, you, you also point out that he has continued to abuse his power. Yeah. It really is pretty remarkable when your own witnesses are basically impeaching you, you know, uh, arguing against you. Yeah, that's a good one. Alan, thanks for pointing that out. It's a, I appreciate the call. Michael in Hammond, Indiana. Hey, Michael, what's on your mind today? If I'm not mistaken, Trump has 16 agencies to investigate. 17. There's 17 intelligence agencies. Why use a personal lawyer? Right. Why hire Rudy Giuliani to investigate something going on in Ukraine when you could ask the FBI to do it? The reason, Michael, is because he's not actually interested in an investigation. He's interested in creating a false scenario. And the FBI won't do that. The CIA won't do that. The Defense Intelligence Agency won't do that. Air Force, Navy, Marine Corps intelligence services won't do that. Army intelligence won't do that. I don't even know who all the other intelligence services are of the 17 that we have. But none of them would go out and concoct a phony story. And that's why you hire a corrupt former mayor of New York, Rudy Giuliani, who was, everybody says, oh, he was a fighter against the mob. Really, Rudy Giuliani, in my opinion, was always corrupt. And I, you know, I have some, I've talked about it in the past, some knowledge of some of Rudy Giuliani's behaviors in New York, particularly when he was running for mayor, that are kind of grim. Now is not the time to go through them again. But Giuliani's always been a hustler. I'm guessing that you were asking that question, Michael, basically rhetorically, that that you knew the answer. Well, yeah, basically, but, you know, (laughs) I think it's good for people to consistently hear that, though. I agree. I agree. And and it's really important that you brought it up. Thank you very much. And I hope your first call was great and we hear from you again. John in St. Joseph, Michigan. Hey, John, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, just a quick question. This whole false advertising on Facebook? Yeah. Isn't there some sort of truth in advertising act? Yes, and it only applies to newspapers and magazines. It does not apply to electronic media. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's high time that we actually apply some sort of truth in advertising standards, particularly to Facebook and other electronic media. But, yeah, Mm, I agree. Yeah. John, thanks for the call. Michael in Princeton, Minnesota, watching us on Free Speech TV. Hey, Michael, what's up? I had a question about the Congressional Records Act. How can Trump have all these private meetings, take away notes of uh, translators, and tear them up and not create a record, even if the record has to go into top secret? How is he getting by with all of this stuff? I thought this was adjudicated years ago. It was. The answer is two words, and it's very simple. Bill Barr. The law says that the president has to keep those records. They, he, has to, he has to memorialize all these things, and it has to be a permanent record. And that's one of the things that presidential libraries do. And that's, you know, literally millions and millions and millions of records in the, in the Reagan library, in the Bush senior library, in the Clinton library, in the Bush junior library, soon to be in the Obama library. But, and many of them duplicated at the National Archives. 
But Donald Trump is breaking the law, and he has been breaking the law since he first stepped into office. I remember the first couple of weeks of his uh, presidency, the New York Times writing an article about how there were these people in his office who uh, he would tear up documents and throw them in his wastebasket. Apparently, that was his practice as a businessman. And they would pull them out of the wastebasket after Trump left and tape them back together to put them into the archives. When Trump read that article in the New York Times, he apparently put a stop to that. He's been breaking the law ever since, but Jeff Sessions wouldn't go after him and Bill Barr won't go after him. The guy who enforces the law is the, is the head of the Department of Justice. And so the Trump, the, uh, Trump library will be empty. Well, it'll be empty of anything that doesn't uh, celebrate Donald Trump. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Thank uh, you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks a lot, Michael. Gregory in Islington, South Carolina. Hey, Gregory, what's up? I don't feel that there will ever be a presidential debate between whoever we elect as the winner of the uh, Democratic Party versus Trump. I think that if he were to debate Liz Warren or Pete Buttigieg, they would eat his lunch. Bernie Sanders obviously would eat his lunch. Joe Biden has done terrible in the debate so far, and that might cause Trump to think that he could actually trip up Joe Biden. I mean, Trump did do pretty well in the Republican debates, but he did it through bombast and and BS. Exactly. And and so then the question Mm -hmm. is, your point, Gregory, will the moderators, the debate moderators, allow him to get away with that? And I don't know the answer to the question. I do think if Biden is our nominee, there's probably a 20% chance that Trump will debate him. I think if anybody else, I don't think Trump will do it at all. Gregory, thanks a lot for the call. James in League City, Texas. Hey, James, what's on your mind? Do you think America will ever come back again from the disillusionment that we're suffering from right now? You know, we've been through rough times repeatedly, James, since since uh, 1789 when, when we ratified the Constitution, or 1785 when we won the Revolutionary War. We went through a horrible, horrible war with uh, England, the War of 1812. Then we went through a depression in the 1830s when uh, Andrew Jackson paid off the national debt. It threw us into a seven-year-long depression. We had a panic in 1856 that, along with Dred Scott, led right to the Civil War. We went through a civil war. We went through the panic of uh, 1893, which was the worst depression we'd ever seen up to that point. We went through the Great Depression of 1929 to 1933. We went through World War II, World War I, the Vietnam War. I mean, we've been through some real tough stuff and a lot of it really, really disruptive. And yet, during that entire period of time, we have gotten, I believe, more egalitarian, more true to our values in many ways. Women got the vote in the 1920s. African Americans were brought into the political process or could no longer be legally excluded in the 1960s with the Civil Rights Act and Voting Rights Act. Obviously, we still don't have full enforcement of those things. In fact, Congress, the House of Representatives, has just passed a new Voting Rights Act last week. I doubt Mitch McConnell will do anything with it in the Senate. But I have a lot of faith in the resiliency of our country, James. I think that we will bounce back. And, and I hope that we had a caller earlier who was basically echoing the Susan Sarandon line, which is that you know Trump is the wake-up call we all really needed. We weren't taking politics seriously. We weren't realizing how important this stuff is. So I, I'm actually hopeful. How about you? I'm an optimist, too. But when I see Barr at the helm yeah. and people defending and echoing his nonsense, like, don't believe the media, believe me. Right. He looks to the heavens and say, I'm the chosen one. But when he first decided to run, that I can go on Fifth Avenue and shoot someone and get away with it, I knew what direction 
he was going to. Yeah. I knew what he was doing. Yeah, that was, that was a tell. That was absolutely a tell. And here's the thing, James. I mean, right now, 40% of Republicans think that Donald Trump should be able to run America without any interference from or input from either Congress or the courts. That is, in other words, 40% of Republicans believe that Donald Trump should be a dictator. And Donald Trump certainly is moving our country in that direction. My biggest concern is if he gets reelected, it could be the end of the republic, or it could be the end of at least the, our Republican, small r Republican form of government. That's why I, I'm just so hopeful that he doesn't get reelected. James, thanks for the call. Important stuff. John in Half Day, Illinois. Hey, John, what's up? Thanks for listening to SiriusXM. I was just calling in reference to uh, the whole Giuliani experience in Ukraine started before Zelensky was elected. That's he correct. was actually talking to Tushenko, and I don't hear that brought up. And so they must have been surprised when Zelensky won because they thought their man was going to win with the crooked uh, prosecutor. They were. And all, Trump, and all, but, all the evidence is that Trump already had this deal cut with Poroshenko. Exactly. No one talks about that, though. I didn't hear anyone say that in a congressional hearing or anything, talking about this predates uh, the election. No, the uh, Fiona Hill talked about that. She, uh, I'm not sure that she said that Trump had pre-cut a deal with Poroshenko, but she talked about how the Poroshenko administration was... I'd have to go back and get her testimony. But I, I'm pretty sure that that's been out there. I just don't think the Democrats have highlighted it. And frankly, they should, because it should be an important part of the narrative. The problem is that we don't have the specific evidence of it, John, because the people who were involved in those conspiracies have not been willing to testify, and Trump has not been willing to let any of the documentary evidence come before Congress. So there's no smoking gun on the Poroshenko administration. The smoking gun with regard to Zelensky is, if nothing else, Trump's phone call with Zelensky, where he says, I want you to do me a favor right after Zelensky says, I'd like some of those missiles that can take out tanks. Okay. Lacking that smoking gun, I think the Democrats are reluctant to stand up and say, this is where we're going to plant the flag, because the Republicans will just come, come along and say, but you've got no proof of that. And Poroshenko is not going to admit this. He's hiding out in Russia. And the, the former corrupt prosecutors, there were two of them, they've apparently both been interviewed by Rudy Giuliani for this right-wing TV network that only lives on the Internet. They call themselves a TV network. Giuliani's going to bring that back to the United States. We'll see how it plays out. John, your point is really well taken, though. Thank you very much for the call. Breaking news, the holiday season is upon us, and it's that time of year where family, friends, and everyone's so conveniently documented in video and photography. Now, picture your face in the mirror. See all those wrinkles under your eyes, crow's feet, large under-eye bags? Now imagine they're gone. I'm not talking about some risky, expensive surgery, just gone in minutes. It's called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags in minutes. It's exactly what you need to get through the holiday season and beyond. Don't believe it? I didn't either till I saw it. Now I don't have to imagine anymore. People look 10 years younger. Simply put, I'm blown away by the results. Plexiderm can give you the confidence you'll need to be yourself in any setting. And the best part is Plexiderm goes on clear so nobody will know you're using it. Unless, of course, you tell them. Go to Plexiderm.com and use my code Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N-N, for 50% off plus an additional 10 bucks off. That's right. Half off plus an extra 10 bucks off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-741-7998. That's 1-800-741-7998. Once again, 800-741-7998. Or go to Plexiderm.com today and use the code Hartman with two N's at checkout. Mark in Valley, Washington. Hey, Mark, what's on your mind? Thanks for watching Free Speech TV. 
I don't know about you, but I'm getting real tired of all these Democrats saying the Republicans behind the scenes say if it was a secret ballot, Trump would be out. We need to start naming names and, and getting this stuff public because, you know, this is serious. The Democrats who have been told in confidence by Republicans that they wish they had a secret vote are not going to be able to name those names because if they do, it's basically the end of their relationship with those Republicans. And that relationship is more important than basically shaming them. And the shaming of them, by the way, is not going to change anything. In fact, it might make the situation worse. It might, it might cause them to have to back away from their position. So better to let that play out in the background. And, and trust me, I think that Mitt Romney is probably going to be the guy leading this thing. I think that Mitt Romney would love to see Trump impeached and removed from office because then Mitt Romney would step in and say, you know, Mike Pence is a really weak candidate. You should make me the candidate. And I think the party might actually go for that. Anyhow, Paul in, in Woodenville, Washington. Hey, Paul, what's on your mind today? All right, Dom. I was reviewing some of the uh, Clinton impeachment stuff, and I think that's instructive because, you know, at the time, you're going through it, you don't really have a comparison contrast frame of mind. So you're not sure what to pay attention to. But a couple of things I noticed in reviewing information was the one thing is these Republicans are complaining about this process is in the Clinton impeachment, they held no Judiciary Committee hearings at all. Well, that's because they had the report from, I mean, the, right. the hearings are trying to find facts. They had Ken Starr, who compiled right. a multi-hundred page report and submitted it to them and gave extensive testimony. They but Bill Barr won't give them a special on, prosecutor, so they had to do it right, themselves. Right. They went entirely on the Starr report, but what was interesting about that you talk about, since you bring up Bill Barr, is Janet Reno, who was uh, Clinton's uh, uh, attorney general, twice expanded Starr's scope, honored his request to expand the scope of the investigation, which we have to remember started with supposedly this whitewater land deal fraud in Arkansas, of which nothing was found, nothing, nothing about whitewater that was ever found that the Clintons had done anything illegal I think actually what might have been found was that they lost money on it. Yeah, they did $34,000, as I recall. Yeah, but how the uh, investigation was the second ex expansion was expanding the investigation into the Paula Jones trial. You have to realize that the, the, the Monica Lewinsky part of it really had, it was so tangential. Yeah, it came at the very it end. Was, yeah. Well, yeah, it was a, a part of the Paula Jones, what Linda Tripp uh, gave these recordings, because they wanted, in the Paula Jones trial, they wanted to expand or right. promote a type of behavior that he does all the time, and he's actually doing it now. So, but you see, Monica Lewinsky was made a, essentially a hostile, not a hostile witness, but an unwilling witness. She wasn't right. complaining that she was being sexually harassed or that she had been, but Linda Tripp had these tapes that there had been a sexual right. so what's your encounter point, Paul? between them. Well, I'm just pointing out the contrast is that the Attorney General, Janet Reno, allowed a lot of special prosecutor star to go into stuff which was really so tangent.
potential. Right. What they finally. No, what you're absolutely right. Janet Reno on. did not play the role of Bill Barr. Bill Barr is doing what he did back in 1992 when he killed the Iran-Contra investigation, when he was the attorney general for George Herbert Walker Bush in December of 92. He, he completely killed by, by uh, encouraging Bush to pardon five or six guys, including Casper Weinberger and Ali North, you know, a bunch of these guys. By doing that, he killed off that investigation. He's killing this investigation. He's a Republican cover-up artist. Janet Reno tried to uh, execute her office with integrity. And I think, frankly, Jeff Sessions did, too, much to the chagrin of Donald Trump. So that's where we're at. Paul, thanks a lot for the call. Nancy in Huntsville, Alabama. Hey, Nancy, what's on your mind today? Yeah, I'm wondering why the Democrats can't say out loud that this is a coup. This is a Republican takeover. Well, it's not a coup yet. I mean, the Democrats still control the House of Representatives. And although I would say that what Mitch McConnell did with Merrick Garland was a coup. The Even technical the definition of a coup involves the military, but in any case, back well, to you. Well, hostile takeover. I yeah. believe this is a hostile takeover. Facts don't matter. Yeah. When they know what the facts are, yeah. they just ignore it because, you know, majority rules. Well, they this is what Rupert Murdoch did to Australia, and former Prime Minister Kevin Rudd wrote an op-ed last year in the Sydney Morning Herald titled, Rupert Murdoch is the cancer at the heart of Australian democracy. Uh, Rupert Murdoch owns over half the newspapers in Australia right now. Rupert Murdoch then went to the United Kingdom and did the same thing and brought conservative rule to the United Kingdom. And then he moved to the United States and started Fox News, bought the New York Post and the Wall Street Journal and did the same thing. It seems to me that we've got an oligarch, a billionaire, right-wing oligarch billionaire who has used the media to corrupt now three countries in a row. Now, whether you call that a coup or corruption or whatever, that seems to me the biggest fact that nobody wants to acknowledge. Well, I hope people know that Republicans aren't patriots. They're not going to come to the country's rescue. I'm with you. I'm with you, Nancy. Uh, I am with you. Yeah, I don't think we're doomed, but with your concern. Thank you so much. With all the problems unfolding for the Fed and central banks, you may be asking some very important questions. How close are we to the next economic collapse? What will it look like just before the crash? And how can I protect my investments and my retirement? There are a few people better suited to answer these questions than ITM Trading's chief market analyst, Lynette Zhang. Her fact-based research on the markets, currencies, and economy is second to none, and her videos have prepared people for almost every major downfall in the U.S. economy this year. If you haven't heard of Lynette Zhang and ITM Trading, I highly recommend looking them up. They're pioneers in economic education, and they're experts at creating strategies to protect you against the next inevitable crisis. If you're looking to protect your wealth or just hedge against the most volatile economy since 2007, go to youtube.com slash itmtrading. I recommend learning as much as you can before the next crisis hits, so you can make the most educated choices while there's still time. That's youtube.com slash itmtrading. Jonathan in Portland. Hey, Jonathan, what's up? I look at all of the disinformation that the Republicans are putting out across the board as an egregious form of violence and one of the most pernicious. And it really needs to be characterized in that way. And I'll I'll tell you specifically why. If you look at the differences just in terms of income between between the top 1% and the bottom 1%, you look at the difference in lifespan, there's a 15-year gap If you look at the Democratic and Republican states in this country and you look at life expectancy, we're really fighting for our lives here. And these pundits that are on the radio that are glibly 
spouting out all of this misinformation, they are really at war with people. You're they talking are about really people who are saying, oh, Medicare for all is socialism and it's going to destroy our country and free college is going to, is going to make us all impoverished. Is that what you're talking about? Well, there was a study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association in 2016 entitled Association Between Income and Life Expectancy. Right. And that was where this comes from. Yeah, we and report yeah, it. That's why they've always been against education. That's why Reagan's been against education. Yep. When a few days before the Kent State shooting started and he was criticizing students and he said, we've had enough of them, let the bloodletting begin. I mean, that he was called them word. brats, yeah. We have to see these people for what they really are. It's not just a matter of a difference of opinion. It's not just a matter of another political view. Attacking facts, attacking the truth, is really attacking your very life. I can't disagree with you, Jonathan. And it is a form of violence. People do die. I mean, the, the, uh, the last study that I saw, and this was about three weeks ago, and, and again, I reported about it on this program, was that the blue states that have adopted Medicaid expansion across the state have saved the lives on an annual basis of around 15 to 20,000 people. And the red states that have refused to expand Medicaid, you know, like uh, Rick Scott down in Florida, have cost the lives of somewhere in the neighborhood of 13 to 16,000 people per year. That number used to be 40,000 people a year. That was before Obamacare. And now we see this huge divide between red states and blue states in the United States in terms of quality of life, income, education, life expectancy, all of these variables. And the main thing that's holding the red states to the Republican Party is fundamentalist Christianity, abortion, patriarchy, basically. Abortion is just kind of code for patriarchy. And fear, you know, just a, a, an absolute lack of understanding. And it's, it's a real tragedy. Uh, it's a real tragedy. And it's one that these Republicans are cynically promoting and their media. I'm with you. Jonathan, thank you. Very well said. Richard in Chicago. Hey, Richard, what's up? Biden is still central to all of this in uh, and, and Ukraine and Hunter and all that. It's all this, this is a central a whipping boy in a sense, you know, that the Republicans are using. Right. And I just wondered, with all of the reporting, you know, I tried to get down to the basis of this thing. Was he, he was there, he was sent there by the president and State Department. Who was sent where by the president? Joe Biden. Right, okay. Joe, Joe Biden was sent to Ukraine by President Obama to basically join with the International Monetary Fund, which was calling for the removal of this corrupt prosecutor, and with the European Union which was unanimously calling for the removal of this corrupt prosecutor. Joe Biden went over and threatened to withhold U.S. aid as well, a billion dollars in U.S. aid, if they didn't fire the prosecutor. Yes, okay, right. continue. Yeah. And doesn't this fact undermine all of this Republican nonsense that we've been hearing nonstop? Yes. And the thing that I am so troubled by is I have not heard reporters going to President Obama, going to Hillary Clinton's State Department, going to the IMF and finding out if the Joe Biden was acting in his own self-interest, which they, the Republicans claim, you know, which yeah. is ironic. And I, it just boggles my mind that we still are debating that Joe Biden has to go do something about yeah, it. Yeah, the reason that they're not doing that, Richard, is because it's yeah. all a matter of, of public record. The State Department investigated yeah. actually Hunter Biden's involvement with Burisma and, and concluded there was no there there. Joe Biden was not trying to fire the prosecutor because the prosecutor was looking into Burisma. And in fact, again, it's a matter of public record that that prosecutor at that time, at the time that Joe Biden went over to fire him, was not investigating Burisma at all. So this had nothing to do with Hunter Biden. 
This had to do and with I, what I, the I, European I, Union, the International Monetary Fund, and, and the U.S. Congress had defined as the interests of the United States government. And it's not in dispute. I mean, it's not like Obama has to come out and say it. It's already out there. The problem is you've got Republicans literally lying literally saying, oh, Biden, I mean, this is what Donald Trump is running ads. He's got 1,400 different ads running on Facebook right now with millions of impressions every single day. And many of those ads, they show a little clip of Joe Biden bragging about how he got the prosecutor fired over in Ukraine. And they just come right out and say, right to the camera, Joe Biden was trying to get this guy fired because he was investigating Hunter Biden and Burisma, which is a naked lie. That's the lie that everybody is saying, Mark Zuckerberg, why are you allowing this lie to be promulgated on Facebook? Google right. refused to carry that lie. Google took that, those ads down off YouTube because they have lies in them. CNN said they tried to buy CNN time for those ads. CNN said, no, these ads have lies in them. We will not run them. The only place those ads exist right now are on Facebook. And I don't know how you can combat a lie other than with the truth, but the truth has been out there right from the beginning, Richard. Yeah, well, it has to be repeated. That's the thing I'm saying is I just cannot understand how we can like pretend that the all of that history and truth, in fact, are just are not repeated enough. Well, it, here's the problem, Richard. Lies. The minute that you start explaining, you've lost. You yeah, know, if, if I were to say, you know, thing, Richard, are you still beating your wife? And you would say, oh, well, no, I never beat my wife, you know, and, and I, I never ever, you know, and this was the thing that Nixon said but, during his but, impeachment. You know, as soon as you start explaining, you've lost the argument. But it so, so undercuts their premise that oh, it takes them off above the knees. And, I know. And I just can't understand reporters like Chuck Dodd, any of them. I mean, I'm not going to pick on them, but I can't understand. I mean, you, you go to the base of this. You stand back from it. You look at what generated this thing, and you look for the facts. And if the facts are so bold that he was that Joe Biden didn't dig a tunnel to the Ukraine to secret some deal for his son. And that is the way the public is understanding this, and they get mad at him when he yells at some guy who's just a putt. I doubt Joe Biden's listening to the show, but maybe somebody who works with him is, and that's why I'm saying, you know, you need to put this behind you. You need to basically, you know, express some contrition and say, you know, yeah, okay, it was a stupid decision, but there was nothing wrong with it. It wasn't criminal. Although, you know, I'm guessing that in this political atmosphere, you know, this is where I might be wrong on this, and this is one of the one of the reasons why politicians generally are so reluctant to admit that they made a mistake is, you know, if Joe Biden was to say, well, yeah, that was probably poor judgment on Hunter's part, then the Republicans will start going, see, we told you, Biden's now apologizing for it. And, you know, so it's like one of those no-win situations. I, you know, I, I would not want to be Joe Biden right yeah. now. Richard, I got to run, but thank you for the call. It's good to hear from you. And thanks for listening to WCPT. Aaron in Charleston, Illinois. Hey, Aaron, thanks for watching us on YouTube. What's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. So, Tom, I'm going to say something that might cause you to raise an eyebrow, but just, just bear with me for a second. Okay. I'm actually glad that Donald Trump is president. And let me tell you why. Not because I support him, obviously, but it's because I've thought for quite some time, pretty much my entire adulthood, that politics was a bit of a joke. And Donald Trump being, in president, being president really does prove that. Now, the point that I want to make is, and you can probably file this under the no-duh category, but as far as I'm concerned, this country claims that it has a moral standing. It claims that it has a moral code. We say that we are set apart from other countries, but yet we're really not. And one of the, re one of the ways, especially concerning this impeachment inquiry, 
One of the biggest ways that I see that we truly do not take our own values seriously is our Constitution. Now, I personally believe that the Constitution needs to be rewritten, updated, and written in such a way to where there is no need for interpretation. It lays out exactly what this country's morals are. Because as far as I'm concerned, while it is at least I can give America credit for at least making a nod towards upholding the Constitution by even having this inquiry, even though if we're going to be honest, we know it's not going anywhere. Donald Trump's not getting impeached. I would argue that if this country was serious about freedom and equality and equal opportunity for all, this impeachment inquiry would not have taken a clear violation of the Constitution to get to. The fact that there are people on the southern border being locked in cages in modern-day concentration camps. The fact that there are people that sleeping on our enough. streets. The fact that exactly. millions of children go to bed hungry every night in the United States exactly. of America. Aaron, I, I, I largely agree with you, and I think that, you know, the point that you're making is the point that Susan Sarandon was making before the election, when she said that she was going to vote for the Green Party candidate, the physician. Jill Stein, when she said that she was going to vote for Jill Stein rather than Hillary Clinton. And everybody said, oh, my God, you know, you're going to give the election to Donald Trump. And she said, fine. You know, if Trump becomes president, it will shock America into realizing how screwed up the Republican Party is and how important politics are. Most Americans are just kind of sleepwalking. Only about half of us even bother to vote. And I think that, you know, what has what has played out here is that she's right. The one area where I would disagree with you is you said that what this the Trump presidency and the impeachment hearing is showing is that before this, you thought politics was no big deal and you still think politics is no big deal for me. And for a lot of the people calling in before the Trump presidency, they thought, you know, well, politics is a big deal or not a big deal. But how much damage can a president do? You know, I don't have to carefully evaluate candidates for the White House because, I mean, you know, what's the big deal? Eisenhower wasn't that bad. Bush wasn't that bad. I mean, yeah, we lied into a war, but I didn't have to go fight the war. I think that what Trump is doing, selling off public lands, polluting the air, killing the unions, I mean, all, you know, deregulating the banksters, pumping Wall Street, all these things, they're all showing us that politics actually is important. And uh, so, Aaron, thank you for the call. I, I think you've, you've demonstrated the viability of Susan Sarandon's argument. I still voted for Hillary Clinton, and I still would again. I think the price that we've paid to learn this lesson was in retrospect, we'll, we'll look back and say it was probably too high a price to pay. But maybe not. Maybe this is the moment the country needs. Mike in Oswego, New York. We just have a minute left. What's up? Quick one. In fact, we have 30 seconds. Hi, Tom. Thank you. Hey, I, I just wanted to float a quick idea. I think that the Democrats should totally suspend this whole process until the uh, people that are stonewalling agree to honor the subpoenas. Uh, just leave it but hanging that's, over there. That's going to put it out past the election. I mean, that's that, that's going to put it into next year. And that means that Donald Trump gets to continue to beg foreign countries to interfere in our elections. That's not a solution. Anyhow, I think I get where you're coming from, assuming you're not a Republican troll. But anyhow, it's not a solution. And thanks so much for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow. Same time, same place. Check out my articles today on Alternet, the LA Progressive and OurRevolution.org. And don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires all of us. And that includes you. So get out there, get active, tag your it, and share progressive media with your friends. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.